Shall we open our Bibles to the second book of Corinthians, second Corinthians chapter 9. We'll read verses 1 and 2, followed by verses 6 to 8. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, followed by 6 and 8. I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. For I know how eager you are to help. And I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. 6 to 8. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Shall we pray? Father God, we just want to say thank you once again, Lord Father. And Father God, even as we get into your word, Lord Father, to listen to that which you have to tell us this day, I pray, Lord, that you will speak to each of us, to our inner beings, Lord Father. Father God, we just commit this time into your hands, commit the... The words that are going to be spoken, Lord Father. And I pray, Lord, that it is you and you alone who will be glorified. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There were three ministers of God who met one day. And the topic of their discussion, as often is when ministers of God meet, is what do you do with the church offering that you get every week? It's a, it's a favorite topic among church ministers. What do you do with it, week after week? How do you decide how much to keep for yourself and how much to give to God? Said the Jewish rabbi. Well, said the Methodist minister, I just put my hand into the bag. Fit, what fits in my hand is for me. The rest is for God. Well, what about you, rabbi? How do you do it? I take each bag, said the rabbi, turn it over once. What falls on the ground is for me. What remains in the bag is for God. Now what about you, pastor, they said, turning to the Pentecostal pastor, who had not said a word till then. I am indeed surprised at your statement, said the pastor. I give everything to God and keep nothing for myself. What about your needs, sir? Asked the rabbi. God provides, said the pastor. This is tremendous faith, pastor, said the Methodist minister. But will you please explain how this actually works? Well, I take all the offertory bags outside the church main door. I stand there and pray to God, thanking him for his provision. I then throw all the bags in the air for God to keep what he wants. What he returns to me is for me. (laughs) 
I'm not too sure if you remember this, but at the beginning of this year, I told you that there was a message that God was impressing on my heart that I needed to deliver to you. But I kept finding excuses to put it off. This time, when God reminded me again, I really couldn't think up of a logical sounding excuse. And so here is that message. Now, why did I want to put off this message? Why did I say that I'm not really up to it? Why do I want to go ahead like that? It's simply because, very often, no one likes to hear a message where the focus is on your responsibility, your accountability, especially when it involves giving. Giving out of your resources. When I start talking about what you have, give it to the Lord. In what ways? In the different ways. It's not something that is generally well accepted in most circles. Most people are happy to say, okay, tell us a doctrine of the church, tell us about the parables, tell us about how we need to live our life, but don't tell me what to do with what I have. What I have is mine. Okay, and that was the little battle that I was having with the Lord. And finally he said, no, it's time that you tell them what I'm telling you. And he said, 2015 is just around the corner. I want my people blessed. There are many who are blessed. And there are many who are doing the right things. But there are some who aren't. And he said, I want all my people blessed. I want 2015 to be a year that is different. So, I again tried to find ways of getting out of this. You know, Jonah did it very nicely. So, I'm the modern day Jonah, if you wish. I tried to find a way to get out of this. And in reality, I'm not supposed to be here today. It was supposed to be Pastor Lakin who should be here. But then we came to this conclusion that because of the Friday school activities that are going on, Pastor Lakin is needed over there. He needs to do things. So, by a process of elimination, here I am. Okay. You see, God has his ways of making sure that he gets a person over there. And so here I am. And so, you'll have to listen to me. To say the least, money and what you do with it is a highly thought-provoking subject. And it means that, that if money has to leave your hands, the doors and the windows are often quickly shut and bolted. So when I talk to you about how money has to leave your hands, don't shut the doors and the windows. Keep them open, okay, because the money has still got to go out. Now, it is one thing for the men's ministry to have spoken and taken a full seminar on financial empowerment, which is very nice. Okay, but when I stand up here and talk from the pulpit, sometimes it goes down the wrong way. But therefore, please do not get the impression that I am thrusting something down your throats. I'm, this is not my pet topic that I am thrusting down your throats. And therefore, to back myself, today you will find I have chosen to extensively use the word of God. To set, let the word of God minister unto you. 
more than my words. It's going to be the word of God. And therefore, I'm going to be using the PowerPoint to get across these words. So get ready to flip the pages of your Bible as we go along. Now, whether you choose to implement what you hear today or not, is entirely up to you. Okay, that choice is yours. But my only request to you this afternoon is this. Please hear me out with an open heart and an unbiased mind. Whatever theories, opinions, biases we have had in the past, please put it away for the moment. And then, at the end, you can decide what you want to do with it. The title of today's message, very simply, is Scriptural Giving. Now, if you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, and read verses 2, verses 5, and verses 16, you will see that Jesus Christ gave us three mandatory tasks. In verse 2, he said, when you give. In verse 6, in verse 5, he said, when you pray. And in verse 16, he said, when you fast. All these three are mandatory for a Christian. They are not optional. The word used is when you give, when you pray, when you fast. It's not if you give, if you pray, if you fast. So as a Christian, you and I don't have an option there. This is a mandatory task. Giving is mandatory. Giving is scriptural. Okay, so let's take a little bit about this. Sister, can I have the first slide, please? I'm going to really do this in the form of some questions. Okay, number one, what is giving? What is giving? Okay, and there you have one definition, which says that giving is to present something voluntarily, willingly, cheerfully, often without expecting anything in return. The word often is within inverted comma, within brackets, which means very often you don't expect anything in return. You give. But you don't expect anything in return. But there are times when your giving is linked with an expectation. Your giving is linked to asking God for something. Okay, so there is a clause, and that's why we have put it, I put it under inverted, in, under brackets as often. So giving is to present something voluntarily, willingly, and cheerfully often without expecting anything in return. John 3.16, what does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, everything God did is about giving. He started off by saying, I am giving. For God so loved the world, God so loved you and me, and everybody else out there, that God said, I'll give. I'll give my only begotten son, because there is no other way. 1 John 3.16 By this we know love, because he laid down, or he gave his life for us. 
and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's the foundation. That is love. But what is love all about? It's the fact that Christ laid down his life for you and me. He gave his life for you and me. And he gave his life so that you and I can have a future. You and I have hope for tomorrow. That giving should not be in vain. That giving had a purpose. Christ laid down his life so that you and I could live. And that is what is expected of you and me. To give. Acts 20, the second part. Acts 20, verse 35, the second part. He, that's Jesus, said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. These are the words of Paul, but he is quoting Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 10, the second part of verse 8. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. Now this verse may not be talking about money. But your giving doesn't always have to be money. There's a lot that you have to give. The easiest thing we can give is actually money. But there's much more that you and I need to give. Freely you have received, freely give. This is what the Bible tells us to do. And therefore we have got to get this process of thinking that giving should be my way of life. What am I going to give? We'll talk about that as we go along. Next slide, sister. Why should we give? So that's a question too. Why should we give? I've got everything with me. Why should I give this out? Okay, number one, it's a sign of obedience. Deuteronomy verse 15, verse 11, sorry, chapter 15, verse 11 says this. For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore I command you, saying, You shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy in your land. Why should you give? In obedience to the word of God. You have, give. There is somebody who needs it. Proverbs 28 verse 27. He who gives to the poor will not lack... But he who hides his eyes will have many curses. Giving will never make you a pauper. When you open your hands, when you open your life, and you give from what you have, in different ways, and we shall look at some of those ways a little later, when you give, you shall never suffer loss. That's never been the biblical principle. Okay, so when we hold, we are likely to suffer loss. But when we give, there is a replenishment that is coming. You're not going to suffer loss. Luke eleven forty two. But woe to you Pharisees. This is what Jesus said. For you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs. And pass by 
and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. You see, what Jesus Christ said was he did not say don't type. He said you are focusing on the wrong things. You are focusing on all these little things that you need to do, all the legalistic aspects of the law, but you are missing out the law of Christ. You are not taking care of the people. There is much more about Christ, about God that you need to give to the people. You need to talk about the law of God. Where is the justice that people need to experience in their life? Are you fair as a Pharisee? Or are you being very legalistic? Sunday morning 40 steps and not 41. But my house is 42 steps away from the synagogue. What do I do? Are you being very legalistic? So Christ is saying, listen, you do all these little, little things that's there legally. And you're missing out some other things. You need to do that. You need to do everything that's to be done legally. But don't miss out on the other things also. Don't miss out on talking to people about the love of Christ. Don't miss out on, on showing the love of Christ. Don't miss out on showing justice to the poor, to the, to the orphans, to the sick, to everybody. So there's a lot of things that you need to show. But you also need to be doing what has been prescribed in the word of God. Whatever you have been listening to, whatever you have been trying to enforce upon the people, yes, that is true, that needs to be done, but there are other things to be done also. So Christ did not throw out the principle of tithing, the principle of giving. He never took it away. He just said, make sure you don't use that as an excuse and don't do the other stuff. Make sure that you do everything. So, a sign of obedience. Number two, it's a sign of faith. Malachi 3.10, which is the oft-quoted, part of the oft-quoted passage that we use when we talk about giving. Okay, Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, and pour out for you such blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. Try me, says the Lord. That's a question of faith. Are you prepared to put your faith in the Lord for tomorrow? Are you prepared to say, God, take what's in my hand and use it? The little boy gave the fish five loaves of bread and two fish. They became thousands. They fed 5,000 people. You need to release that little fish that's in your hand. You need to release the little that is in your hand. Because God has said that's faith. The widow of Zarephath, she had little. But the man of God said, release that. And when you release it, see what God's going to do. That is faith. What, belong, what is in your hand belongs to you. You have every right to hold on to it. No problems. Hold it tight. The tighter you hold it, the less opportunity there is for God to put anything into this hand. There is no place. God says, open your hand, I need to fill it. Just open your hands, I need to fill it. But if you open your hand, that one real note that said is likely to fly away. What do we do? We clutch. 
that one real note. But God is saying, you need to walk in faith. Don't hold on to what you have because when I ask you to give, you need to give. That's the way you need to live life. Second Chronicles chapter 31, verse 10. And Azariah the chief priest from the house of Zodak answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty left, for the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is this great abundance. Here is an acknowledgement. He says, now when people trusted the Lord and they brought in what the Lord asked them to bring in, when they brought in their offerings, when they brought in their tithes, everybody was provided for. There is more than we need. We are now living in abundance. Okay, Faith is your ability to see that abundance ahead. Now don't mistake me, I'm not... Uh, a negative word at the moment is prosperity preaching. Okay, I'm not trying to, to fit this message into that or out of that. I'm only trying to say that we need to listen to what God is telling us. Okay, because God has something better for us 2015. Okay, so we've got to be able to take that. Are we prepared to do it? Okay. Luke 3, verse 30, Luke 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. But the first step is give. And what is the measure you use? Because that is going to be the criteria. You see, this is a situation where you can decide your own future. You can work your own future. Provided you work it God's way. If you want to use a small measure, God says, fine. I will use the same measure to return to you. You want to use a big measure, God says, fine, I will use that measure. But the first step is give. Okay, so where do we stand in that? Number three, it's a sign of honor. Exodus 22, 29 to 30. You shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe produce and your juices. The first one of your sons you shall give to me. Likewise, you shall do with your oxen and your sheep. It shall be with you, its mother, Seven days, on the eighth day, you shall give it to me. What does God say here? You shall, you shall not delay to offer. Okay, the, the key word there actually is not delay. You shall not delay. That means you shall bring it on time. You will bring it on time when you honor somebody. If you dishonor somebody, you will say, I'll do it whenever I want. But when you honor somebody, you will bring it on time. On the 23rd of the month, of every month, you should see my colleagues and me. We will be checking our mobiles every 10 minutes. Have I got the message from my bank? And if it doesn't come till 2.30 in the afternoon at 23rd, we will see this MOH is no good. 
They can't do their work properly. It was much better when somebody else was there. Okay. Month after month. You see, our salary, which I know will come the next day. If not 23rd, it will be there on 24th. So no problem. Or sometimes when I go home, at uh, driving the car at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I get the message. The beep beep sounds. And I know it's NBO who is now giving me the message. Okay. But I feel offended when I don't get my salary on 23rd. I need it. Am I going to do something with it immediately? No. Do I need to pay a bill on 24th? No. I'm going to leave it there till the end of the month. But I need that salary in my account on 23rd. Otherwise, I feel dishonored. I feel I'm not being considered. My services to the Ministry of Health are not being recognized. So when you honor somebody, you do something immediately. When you are asked to do something, you do it. You respect that person and you honor that person and so you bring in your offering, you bring in your tithes, you bring in your givings on time without delay. A sign of stewardship. It's a sign of stewardship. Why should we give? It's a sign of stewardship. First Chronicles chapter 29, 13 to 14. Now therefore our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. Psalm 50 verse 10. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills, says the Lord. Haggai 2 verse 8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. So let us recognize that nothing belongs to us. You and I have been given the right to use certain things. You and I have been given the privilege of holding some things for a point of time. But they don't belong to us. You and I are not the owners. It belongs to God. Everything that we have belongs to God. And if it belongs to God, He is the owner. And He has the right to take it at any point of time. You are a steward. So you see, why should we give because we understand that I am not the owner, it does not belong to me, I am just a steward holding on what the master has given me, and when the master requires it, I hand it back. I give it back. First Peter chapter 4 verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. As each one of you has received a gift, something, whatever it is, minister it to one another. Don't hold it for yourself. No gift that you have is meant for yourself. You should be able to use it for others. Do you have a talent in singing? Sing praises to God. Encourage others. Let others hear your singing. Hear the words that you are bringing out. Heard, let them hear your worship and your, and your praise and let them be blessed. It's not about you, it's about them. Have you got the, the talent of hospitality, the gift of hospitality? Show a welcoming smile. Somebody is going to feel pleased. It's not about you, it's about somebody else. So what you have is meant for somebody else. So whatever you have, minister it to each other. Give it on to somebody else. That's what... The, the, the Bible tells us to do and that's what we need to be doing so, why should we give? it's a sign of obedience, it's a sign of faith it's a sign of honor, it's a sign of stewardship number three 
How do we give? Number one, according to ability. Deuteronomy 16 verse 17. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God which he has given you. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. There's a lot of questions on this 10%. Okay, the problem, and not only 10%, but is it 10% on net, is it 10% on gross, is it 10% after deduction of taxes, is it 10% after this, after that? The problem is if we stick to 10%. Because after all our permutation combinations that we think about, we may miss something, you'll end up giving 9.97%. And when you suddenly realize that you've actually given only 9.97%, you'll get this guilt conscience that you've actually been disobedient to God because God said 10%. Okay. But if you read these verses, and we will see a little later, Clearly the understanding is don't stick to 10%. You go ahead. Go to 20%, go to 30%, go to 40%. And then if you miss something somewhere else and your 30% becomes 27.8%, still doesn't matter. It's still above the 10%. So let's not get fixed on whether we should be giving out of our gross, out of our net, Pre-tax deduction, post-tax deduction, 10%, 12%. Go higher. Give yourself a safety margin. Say, God, I'm going to be right there. I can't be caught out. No way. Okay, that percentage is not what we are looking at. No. But your attitude. How do you want to give? Do you want to do what God's asking you to do? So you give according to your ability. Then voluntarily and cheerfully. Second Corinthians 9, 6, a verse prior to that says this. And this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Okay, so you have to decide. It's voluntary. You decide whether you want to give large amount, small amount, what, what are the talents you have, the time that you have. Are you, going to spend some, are you going to spend more time with somebody who needs your presence there? Are you going to spend less time? Are you going to talk about the word of God to somebody spending time with that person? Irrespective of the, 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 the time loss that you are having, it doesn't matter. Are you going to give little or are you going to give more? Okay. Please again remember, it's not just about money, it's about a lot of things. Matthew 10.8, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. All these things are things that you and I should be doing. Because this is what Christ said. You will do all this and more. This is what Christ said. Then he goes on to say, freely you have received, freely give. Have you received healing? Have you received something from the Lord, a word of uh, encouragement from the Lord, a word of discernment from the Lord, some knowledge of the, of the scriptures from the Lord? Don't hoard it. Don't keep it to yourself. Freely give it. You received it. Freely give it. Somebody else needs it. Okay, you are just a channel. You are just a post office. Pass it on. Networking is the big word now. So network. 
What you have, network it out. Don't let it be with you. Number three, without fanfare. How are we to give? How do we give without fanfare? Matthew 6 verses 1 to 4. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do, do your charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Okay, so the, when, you, when we give, it's between you and God. The whole concept is between you and God. Okay, you're not trying to make a mark with somebody else. I'm not trying to show somebody else that, oh, this is what I'm doing. No way. It's between you and God. Are you in obedience to the word of God? Are you trusting him? Are you saying, yes, God, this is what you have asked me, this is what I'm going to be doing. Question 4, which is the next slide, sister. What are the different types of giving? In the Bible, there are different words that are used, but the main three types of giving that you find would be tithes, offerings, and sowing seeds. So we're going to be looking at each one of these very briefly and then moving along. Now in Genesis 14, verses 18 to 20, is the first record of the word tithe. Now this is even before the law came into existence. 428, 424 years before the law came into existence, Abraham did it. Genesis 14, 18 to 20. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abraham, gave him a tithe of all. Years later, in Genesis 28, verse 18 to 22, we see Abraham's grandson again going into this. He says, Then Jacob rose early in the morning, took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to the Father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I shall surely give a tenth to you. This was before the law got established. So already that practice was there. Then we have God's challenge. Malachi 3, 8, 10. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Into the, into the storehouse. And then it goes on. You see, so once again, there is this, this clear instruction from God 
which has been practiced in Old Testament times. And we've already seen that Jesus Christ never said, don't do it. He expects us to do more than that. Because in the New Testament time, we give our all. We give our everything. So we are not satisfied with a 10%, but we give beyond that. Okay? Uh, should we tithe the New Testament times? Is it scriptural to tithe in the New Testament times? Now, my, my, my little experience is this. This is before I came here. I, the salary I was drawing would take me from the first of the month to approximately the 15th of the month. From the 15th of the month to the 30th of the month, 30th of the month, my family and I were basically living on love and fresh air. Okay. That was the way it was. Okay. But then I got into this, this knowledge. And so we started tithing. The salary didn't change. But somehow, that salary went from the 1st to the 30th. My expenses were the same. Our needs were the same. I didn't get a penny extra. So you know Gideon tested God? You know that in the Bible? I tested God. So I said, okay, next month I'm not going to give tithes. Let's see what happens. Well, 15th of the month, money over. Back to love and fresh air. So put the money back the following month. Somehow it reached till 30th. How did that happen? I can't understand that. There is no logical explanation. This is God working. So I checked it out again. Remember, Gideon also did it twice. So I said, I'll also do it again. Check it out again. Sorry, 15th money over. Put it back in again. Money stretches. I'm not saying tithes are going to solve your problem. It's the obedience that matters. It's not the issue of the tithe. It's the issue of the obedience. You see, God responds to two things. God responds to faith. God responds to obedience. You trust God. He will, he will answer you. You obey God. He will answer you. There are two things which God is responsive to. He cannot say no to. Number one is your faith. Number two is your obedience. Tithing, it's not, it's not about the money. It's not about what you put in. God doesn't need it. This is pittance. I mean, it's pittance of pittance, if you wish. It's nothing. It's not about that. It's about obedience. Okay, will you do that one? That's the question. Okay. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods and divided among them all as anyone had need. Verses, then Acts 4, 34 to 37. Now nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed each to anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. You see, the thing that happened in the New Testament time is, it became all. 
from 10% now things became all all my possessions all my things were shared so now there was no worry about this 10% so we actually we don't need to worry about that 10% because we have got to be way ahead of 10% we have got to be way over 10% The 10% was a law given in the Old Testament times. But in the New Testament times, from the time the church started, the whole principle was all. Give your everything. Give yourself completely. Surrender yourself. Share what you have. And that's why in the New Testament you'll find that there isn't much of a say on the 10% because that is old story now you are over 10% you are way over 10% let me tell you the story of william william colgate some of you will know that he left home at the age of 16 because his father did not have money to feed him as he was going from one place to another at the age of 16 he met a christian shipman and that person that shipbuilder actually led him to Christ his first job after he received Christ was to work in a soap company and he was paid 1 dollar that was his salary from that 1 dollar he tithed 10% and he was very sincere about that a few years down the line he became a partner in that company he continued tithing his 10% became 20%. He then became the owner of the company. He bought out the company and he became the owner of that company. He became a millionaire. His 20% became 30%, 40%, 50%. It just kept increasing. He finally reached 90%. He was a billionaire by now. and 90% of his earnings he put back into the kingdom of god he said he didn't need it it's god's god gave i'm putting it back colgate the company still exists but that is the principle that you and i need to follow why do we have to tithe next question the slide is not there but that's the question as a sign of obedience to god as a sign of faith in god as a sign of honoring god as an understanding of stewardship in god's kingdom now comes a tricky question where do we have to tithe where do we have to tithe three sub parts to this number 1 where you receive spiritual food where your physical and emotional needs are <coughs> restored you have a problem right now go home you ha- when you go home you suddenly run into a problem who do you call up who do you call up do you call up a televangelist do you call up your pastor back home do you call up somebody in the church might be pastor 
<clears throat> might be another leader, might be a brother or a sister. Who is your immediate call to? That's your storehouse. Your physical, your emotional needs are met from these kinds of places. I hope that answers that question. Where do we have to tithe? Number one. The Old Testament law was also where the Levite was. And there are those verses. In our church, by the grace of God, not one person draws a penny out of here. There are churches where the pastors need to be paid out of what is earned by the church. You go to the pastor for prayer, don't you? You need to put your tithes there. Number three, let's take Deuteronomy chapter 6, chapter 12, verses 5 and 6, where the Lord places you. Deuteronomy 12, 5 to 6. But you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place. And there you shall go. There you shall take your burnt offering, your sacrifices, your tithes, the heave offering of your hand, your vowed offering, your freewill offering, the firstborn of your herds and flocks. You see, where the Lord places you. And if this is where the Lord has placed you, this is where your tithes have got to be. Now, I'm not canvassing. Okay, because this is where the problem starts coming in. This is where people think that the man up here is canvassing for money to come inside. No. I'm just telling you what is there in the word of God. And as I said in the beginning, whether you choose to do it or not is up to you. But I have to just tell you as I understand God telling me. Okay? Then, of course, you have the other. Other than tithes, what are your other giving means? Your offerings. An offering is a free will. Is, is, is a free will giving on top of your tithes. Where you expect nothing in return. You do not expect anything in return from your offering. Can we turn to... Can I have the next slide, sister? Right. Exodus... Chapter 25, verse 3. Exodus chapter 25, verse 2. Speak to the children of Israel, that they may bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. Ezra chapter 2, verse 69. According to their ability, they gave to the treasury for the work 61,000 gold drachmas, 5,000 minas of silver, and 100 priestly garments. It was not just money, it was other things also. These are offerings or arms. Luke 12, verse 33. Sell what you have and give arms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches, nor moth destroys. Acts 10, verses 1 and 2. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, 
a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. You see, that is offering. Anything about the type which is free will, it's not a compulsion. You're giving it, but you're not expecting anything in return. Don't give it and say a few weeks later, I gave that much to that brother. He disappeared with it. If it is your offering, he will disappear with it. But it's not wrong. Don't expect it back. An offering is your free will desire to give something over the tithes. Don't expect it back. And that's why we said in our giving definition, we said what you give without expecting anything in return. The last one is the vows or seed sowing. Now I've got to tell you a very brief testimony. We are running out of time, so I won't take time to go through the first testimony. Okay, except probably to quote one or two verses. Isaiah, sorry, Genesis chapter 26. There was a time, as many of you will know here, then where in the Ministry of Health there was a lot of confusion about pay scales and pay rises. Many of us are in Ministry of Health, we know what this is all about. At one point it was given and, and staff of my category received in the hospitals. But two of us at my institute were denied it. A colleague of mine said, let's go and fight for this one. I said, no, I'm, not, I'm done with fighting. Okay, I'm not going to fight. We pray. If it comes, it comes. If it doesn't come, well, it's not meant for us. And we left it at that. We prayed at home. My wife was persistent in her prayer. Her prayer was not that we need to be given the money. Our prayer was there needs to be fairness in people. When people are dealt with, they need to be fairly dealt with. And as a result of that, this was a verse that actually came to us. Okay, so Genesis 26, verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. So my wife said, we need to sow. I said, sure, sow. I said, I'm leaving it to you. I was quite busy with a lot of other things, so I said, you take the decision, you decide what you need to do. So she said that she was going to sow. Where did she sow? She sowed into this church. Not elsewhere. She sowed into this church as a response to what God was telling her. At the end of it, verse 22, this is what Isaac did. And they moved from there and dug another well and they did not quarrel over it because there were a lot of wells that were being closed. There were a lot of things that were happening and nothing was moving forward. But at this point, for Isaac, the well was not closed. For now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. Last June, I got my pay hike. It was 27% higher than what we expected. Okay, that was a huge amount. Because nobody else had got it at that point of time. We were asked not to fight for it, just sow into the land. Okay, seed sowing is scriptural. But you need to be wise 
where you're going to sow your seed. Now, are you going to sow a seed because somebody says, if you sow so much, you will get so much in return? If you sow, he's got his returns. That's fine. You need to seek God. Let God direct your sowing. Because harvest cannot come without sowing. There has to be a seed sowing. I won't go into these details at this point, okay, but there's much more that you can do. But I will just come to my last point. Sister, can we just move ahead a few slides? Uh, next slide and the next slide. What kind of a sower are you? What kind of a giver are you? And I'm going to end with this. There are three kinds of givers. Number one is the flint. Number two is the sponge. And number three is the honeycomb. You decide where you fit in. To get anything out of the flint, you need to take the hammer and hammer and hammer it. And you'll probably get a few chips. The sponge, if you are a sponge, you need to be squeezed. And the harder you squeeze, the more you get. But the honeycomb giver is constantly overflowing. Nothing needs to be done. It's constantly overflowing. So decide what kind of a giver are you. Shall we close? Will you stand with me for a minute, please? If you want to give, if you want to be rich, give. If you want to be poor, grasp. If you want to have abundance, scatter. If you want to be needy, hoard for yourself. Giving is biblical. Giving is a discipline. Giving is a decision. To give or not to give is your choice. Shall we pray? Father God, I just thank you for this time, Lord. I have shared what you wanted me to share. Where change is needed, Lord, change. Where correction is needed, Lord, correct. Where conviction is needed, Lord, convict. Where clarification is needed, Lord, clarify. May all your people be blessed and share in the abundance that you give. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please take your seat. Just before we go to the Lord's table, I wanted to introduce you the children of God, those who are obese to the waters of baptism last Saturday. Can I have them in the front? Those who are obeyed the Lord through the waters of baptism. Nine of them, they gave their life. It is a great joy. Even though this congregation, many of you or all of you are not turned up to see or to witness this dear ones, as the heaven rejoiced, only 10 to 15 people are turned to witness on that day. Really, we felt very sad. Such a big congregation, only 15 of us, 10 to 15 of us were there with the children for witnessing these dear ones. The Bible says, even Jesus Christ says, you one sinner turned to the kingdom of God, the whole 
heaven rejoices amen is it not you are rejoicing we keep on announcing for 3 weeks but none of you are turned that is sad it should not happen and you have the other dear ones the precious soul got touched and they are in the prepared to enter the kingdom of god it is god who prepared them amen we give all glory all honor to him god and we also thank the dear ones let us pray you can stretch forth your hand and pray the blessings as the heaven rejoices let us also take part join them to rejoice in the glory of god gracious father we thank you for the dear ones whom you have touched in the last days oh father as they have obeyed into your word and the lord they have testified your goodness and your mercy and they are from the darkness now they are in the light of you oh father lord let your hand be rest upon them continually throughout their life oh father holy spirit of god as you enter in their life continue to minister to them oh father let them continue to know the truth and the truth alone can continue to guide them in the righteousness of father in jesus most exalted name we pray amen now is the time for us to go to the last table please go i will read it for you from um, first corinthians chapter 11 from 22 to 32 but in this even since it's uh, we are running short of time i'm not going to read it but i'll say what we know let us be reminded of why do we observe communion number 1 it is lord who commanded us and this is the ordinance of the new testament church and we have to follow what god has said that's what we read in 1124 and when we had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me secondly we are observing communion we are remembering christ and all that he has done for us in his life death and resurrection so whenever we come to the lord's table we do remember reminded us to remember his life his death and his resurrection also is coming and thirdly when we are observing communion we take time to examine ourselves we have to examine ourselves not us a man have to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup and fourthly when we are observing communion we are proclaiming his death and he comes it is then a statement of faith as you say for whoever or whenever we eat the bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes so we proclaim the death of jesus christ when we are taking part of it and finally when we observe communion we show our participation in the body of christ his life become our life and we become members of each other so we be when we are coming together in union we testify that we are all one the body of christ amen let us close our eyes gracious father we thank you and praise you for the time that you given to us 
it is our privilege it is our blessing to come into your presence and take part uh, in this communion of father lord which you prepare for us we pray for the bread and the wine we sanctify them in the name of jesus christ lord let this bread means to your body and also the wine that represents your blood when we take part in this we are imparting our your life in us and also when we come together and have it we testify that you are the one who gave your life to us and we became one the body of christ to this world lord help us to proclaim this truth to the world until you come in jesus most exalted name we pray stabilis prepare for the god children those who have obeyed the lord accepted the lord as the lord and savior and obeyed into waters of baptism and as you are rightly the scripture says you examine yourself if you find a guilty of it even still it is a time for you to reconcile beef with god and take part in this
Let us share the grace together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. And God's people say, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Forever and ever. And for the last time, forever and ever. Go and be blessed.